0: Streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel good movie of
1: the year. You
0: dig? Bob Marley One love. rated PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24 7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24 hour streaming channel serving non stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. What's up, everybody? This is Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, H-A-W-G-sports.com. Well, we got a lot to get to today. Arkansas obviously coming off a 63-57 loss to number six, Kentucky. Kentucky. That was disappointing, although the effort was there. Maybe the effort will be there when they go play Missouri on Wednesday, which is 0-7 in the SEC. No Devo Davis. No Devo Davis. How will you remember Devo Davis's time at Arkansas? We'll discuss that a little bit as well. And, of course, baseball three weeks away. Uh, Arkansas just wrapped up a big recruiting weekend. and We're going to talk to Danny West about that, of course, also. It was a big junior day. And spring football is – Probably March 7th, something like that. So, we're going to talk about all that and more on today's episode of Hog Sports Live. Have I told you guys how many ways there are to watch and listen to the show? You can watch on YouTube, where we're streaming live right now. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube page, be sure to do so. Take a moment, subscribe, set it to where you're alerted anytime time we, up- we upload a new video. Also available on Facebook, be one of 90,000 Razorback fans to join us on our Facebook page. Follow us there. Apple Podcasts, if you haven't left us a five-star review, we'd love to have that from you also. Also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, anywhere else you can think of to find your favorite podcast. And of course, Hog Sports is just $1 right now for your first month. HAWGSports.com, Sports.com, part of the 24 7 Sports Network. Go check us out if you haven't done so already. With spring football coming up, you know you're going to want that inside information with, with everything that's going on. And uh, nobody does it like Hog Sports. Just come check us out. Devo. How will you remember Devo Davis? I will remember Devo probably as the guy that. Broke down emotionally after Arkansas beat Kansas, talking about how the team had struggled and all that stuff. That's how I would probably choose to remember him. Um, you know, it's disappointing the way it's ended. It's uh, It feels like he's kind of – you know, gone back and forth and, you know, maybe had some other issues and, you know, I don't want to get into all the speculation and all that kind of stuff. Devo averaged 8.8 points a game, 4.1 rebounds. Arkansas doesn't make the Elite Eight his freshman year unless he hits that big shot. Um, There are times where things that Devo did were very frustrating. And uh, I'm right there with you. He was definitely an unorthodox player. Um, There were other times where it was just beautiful it was so unorthodox, (laughs) some of the things that he would pull off. But, um, yeah, it just hasn't, You know, it's just kind of a manifestation of, I think, everything that's happened this season. And, you know, Arkansas put this team together and it just didn't work out. I mean, I think Eric Musselman probably the first to tell you, maybe behind the scenes or something, you know, it just just didn't work out. Now, there's been some reports out there, by the way, that, uh, you know, some of the reasons for Arkansas's struggles have to do with NIL money and players not getting what they were promised. I can tell you, my sources say that's absolutely not true. However, looking forward, Looking ahead, maybe NIL isn't quite where it needs to be in terms of the pace for last year for basketball. Maybe that's an area where it's not quite where uh, it it used to be. And part of that can be team success right now. Obviously, people want to see results. Um, Some of it could also be football success. I think that all, I think we could all assume this anyway, that all sports are going to be impacted by the success of the football team when it comes to NIL. It's like a trickle down because football, um, you know, is the. Whether you think it's Arkansas is a basketball school or a baseball school, it's football that really that really pays the bills. So uh, that's something to think about. Like, is Arkansas basketball going to have the same access to the NIL it had last year? But the reports that players are disgruntled over not getting paid what they were promised and stuff, my sources say that's that's completely false. Unfortunate deal with Devo Davis, but. Um, Arkansas has got to move on. 63-57 losers uh, to Kentucky. No moral victories. No moral victories. It was good to see them fight a little bit. Arkansas has got problems offensively. Uh, I mean, they did battle on defense. Defense is, is attitude. And, uh, obviously, at the end of the game, a lot of that stuff, you know, Kentucky went like 5-7 the last 240 from the floor. And Arkansas, what did they do, like 1-5 of five or something from the floor. The la- And I think it was Makai Mitchell's shot at the end, the last, like, minute, something. And, you know, obviously you're not going to win close games finishing like that. But uh, at least the defensive intensity was there for most of the game. Saw – and, and you know, Musselman pointed that out afterwards that, you know, that was – you know, he's going to have to go tell him that, you know, hey, the effort was there, you know, but you lost. And now we got to go get ready for Missouri. Missouri is 0-7. That game is at 730 on SEC Network from Columbia, Missouri. 0-7 in SEC play. This is a game Arkansas can get. You know, if they come back and play with the same level of intensity, it is on the road, and that's always going to be difficult, even for a team that's 0-7. But if they can play with the same level of intensity, maybe they they can maybe they can pull off that win. I mean, this is it's crazy, kind of what we've seen out of this team all year. uh, You know, beating Purdue in that exhibition game, who's Purdue's ranked number two in the country, beating Duke early in the season, I think November 29th, um, beating Duke, and Duke is currently number 12 nationally, and then you know. Playing well against Kentucky. Kentucky started off 1-16 from the floor. Now you say they just didn't get off to a very good start, but also, you know, some of that's Arkansas. Uh, but they started 1-16 from the floor and then obviously, you know, just battled back and then, you know, showed why they're the better team at the end of the game. So that's basketball in a nutshell. After uh, after that January 31st game, you got Baton Rouge playing LSU. February 3rd, that's on ESPN2. That's an 11 o'clock game on Saturday. And then you get uh, an off time during the middle of the week, so you don't play Wednesday or Tuesday. Um, And and then you play Georgia and Bud Walton Arena on February 10th. So that's the the next three games coming up for Arkansas at Missouri, January 31st, LSU the 3rd, and Georgia on the 10th. Arkansas, I mean – they're not a very good offensive team. They're currently ranked ninth in the SEC in scoring per game. I would have to assume that's down significantly now in SEC only play. Through those seven games, they're averaging 75.3 points per game. I mean, they failed to top 60 a couple times, you know, this in in the SEC slate. So um, not a very good scoring team. As you might expect, they're not a very good assist team. They rank ninth in scoring. They rank 11th in assists per game right now with 11.4, and that's a number that's also – gone down since SEC play. Not a very good uh, shooting team, 43.8%. Wouldn't have expected that really from the guards that they brought in. Uh, Guys that were real good shooters overall and good three-point shooters. Arkansas is 11th in three-point shooting, 31.7%. And they're terrible on three-point defense. Last check, they were like 208 nationally on three-point defense. This is a team that a couple years ago was number one in the nation in three-point defense. Hasn't been a great free-throw shooting team, ranked ninth in the SEC, 71.8%. Again, with the guards that they brought in, you thought that they would be a pretty good free-throw shooting team just based on their percentages coming in. You know, defensively, they're not rebounding well, 36.3%. They did rebound. They did out-rebound Kentucky, and that's definitely notable. Kentucky's got some size, obviously, but Arkansas played pretty physical. I mean, to have – to go without – Trevor in Brazil and to have Makai Mitchell play the game that he played, we gotta give a shout out to Makai. It was his best game all season. Where has that been? Thirteen points, twelve rebounds. You know, Jalen Graham did some good things. He was in early foul trouble. And Chandler Lawson pulled down seven rebounds. So, you know, you got some good play out of those guys. It to me it doesn't sound like Brazil's coming back anytime soon. I mean, the guy didn't practice all last week and uh you know, after the uh, after the game and so after the Ole Miss game where they, you know, got out-rebounded pretty good there. Uh, but they he didn't – and Ole Miss isn't a great rebounding team, which is – none of this stuff makes sense this season. I mean, like, we can sit here and go over all these statistics and stuff, but, like, you knew that Ole Miss wasn't a good rebounding team in the Wednesday game. And Arkansas was going to – you know, they were going to have a great rebounding effort against Arkansas because it seems like what everybody does poorly, they do well against Arkansas. But, uh, yeah, I mean – they actually rebounded the well pretty the game pretty well. They actually rebounded the ball pretty well against Kentucky, um, which was a bit surprising. But again, nothing should really surprise you with this team aside from if they were to to beat somebody. Um, they don't do a good job stealing the ball, only 5.2 steals per game. The only thing that they've done really well at this season is blocks. And I don't know if they're still leading the country in blocks, but they were at least. Heading into the old Miss game, I haven't checked on it, but they're leading the SEC with 6.7 blocks per game, and that's a strategy that Musselman has taken. You know, tried to get more vertical because you know they changed the rule with the charge, where you're you know it starts when the you know the plant foot is set versus when you go airborne. So they you know if you notice you don't see a lot of charges anymore. Um, I always thought that they should expand the the restricted area because I want to see people get dunked on more, really. But uh, you know. He's kind of changed how they play weak side defense, and they've gotten a lot more blocks this year as a result. So, some coaching working, you know. Mus is a great coach. I don't care what anybody says. I know people are frustrated with the way the team has gone right now, and I look back at the history of this program and how long it's been since they've, you know, finished nationally ranked back-to-back years, how long it had been since they've won 28 games in a season, how long it's been since they've been to three straight straight sweet 16s, only one other coach had done it. And Nolan Richardson, I mean, there's so many things that you look at that Musselman has done in his time here that have been pretty impressive. And some people have different ideas of how they should approach uh, building their roster, you know, go out and build it through the high school ranks. Well, if you go build it through the high school ranks, if you get good players, they're going to go to the NBA soon. Um, You know, so you still have to pay pay players on your current roster, too. You don't just, like, get to, like, say, okay, they're here. I don't have to pay them now. You have to pay your players. That's just the, the way college athletics work now. I don't like the system right now. I think it's ridiculous when you think about, you know, so I can't remember who had a tweet recently, but it may, it just makes so much sense when you like look at the situation of these, you know, coaches and universities making millions upon millions of dollars, and it's up to you, the fans and the boosters, to pay the players. It doesn't make any sense. the 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 structure of and there's no transparency at all. You don't know exactly where your money's going, and you know the whole NIL deal is just it's a disaster in my opinion. I I, I don't like it. I love college athletics, but. Um, I don't like the way NIL is going right now. I went out and watched a little baseball scrimmage on Sunday. uh, 6-2 Cardinal over Gray, if that matters at all. Baseball starts February 16th. They've got four games lined out against James Madison, probably uh, just based on what Dave Van Horn said the other day in his press conference. I mean, probably not going to play four games, but, um, you know, Hope to get three of those in, I think. And then you've got the uh, college baseball series in Arlington, Globe Life Field. Start with Oregon State on February 23rd, Oklahoma State February 24th, and Michigan on the 25th. So baseball just right around the corner. It was chilly out there. It was like 42 degrees, but they were out there. All right, let's get to Danny West. We want to talk a little bit about recruiting. That's the title of today's show. And I know all you guys are interested in the future, at least the diehards out there. I always find the diehards are interested in not what's going to happen in the game coming up, but interested in what's going to happen for the future of the program, and that is where Danny West comes in. If you don't follow Danny West, you got to follow him at Danny West 24/7. Almost at 50,000 Twitter followers, X followers. I said I was going to stop calling it Twitter because it's X. 50,000 X followers. Danny, Hello, how you doing? Man. You all right, man? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing good. We're just talking about the state of Arkansas athletics and just. You know, it's been disappointing. It was a disappointing football season, basketball season. I mean, to come into the season ranked 14th nationally, and just the way things have gone, albeit you know they had a, a pretty good effort. Again, no moral victories, but had a pretty good effort against Kentucky. And then uh, baseball, please save us, Lord.
1: I thought you said you
0: were doing good. I am doing good. I'm still <laughs> on the bright side of things. Yeah, kind of you're depressed. probably right. I ought to reevaluate. Why do I feel good, yeah. given everything That's that, right. yeah, it's depressing. <laughs> but baseball's yeah, right they, around the corner, and they ought to be pretty good, right?
1: No pressure, Dave. Go <laughs> win it all, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If, I mean, you it, if you could ever do it,
0: if you could ever do it, this would be the year to take it. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: no, uh everything's been good my way, uh, coming out of a, a really good junior day for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt like it was their best one by far. Really, those first, uh, they had four before this one. I want to say this was their fifth. So, Mm -hmm. I felt like the first few were really just kind of so-so. I mean, you had a guy here or there. uh, No disrespect to anybody that visited. You know what I mean, though. Right. Uh, Omarion Robinson came up, Montario Elliston, Jack Lange. You know, uh, here and there, they had a few studs coming in. But this past weekend, Trey, it was one stud after another. I know it's harder for people to get – really excited when we're talking about sophomores and juniors in high school but as you've heard me say before this is kind of where you you really uh, put in your work this time of year because a lot of these guys we're talking about that you don't care about right now you will hear in about 10 months probably
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah well just uh let's talk about some of them some who are some of the uh some of the standouts yeah, that, visit that visited let's yeah just you, you just kind of I'll take start, it away, Danny.
1: I'll rattle them off. Uh, yeah, we'll start with Colton Yarborough, uh, 2026 defensive end out of Durant, Oklahoma. He came up, uh, I want to say last July, He came up for the cookout, uh, returned to campus this past weekend, number 63 overall prospect in the country out of Durant, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. nearby too. So <clears throat> just got tagged in another tweet there. there we'll move right on to uh, Michael Clayton, who just tweeted out some pictures from his visit mm-hmm. on saturday he's a 2026 quarterback at a seminole high school in sanford florida miami virginia tag pittsburgh he had a lot of really good things to say um, another 2026 grant smith quarterback out of spring texas uh, grand oaks high school i should say he was offered by coach petrino at texas a&m uh, petrino offered him again as soon as he got to arkansas he's He's got TCU and Baylor and Texas Tech. Several. Um, you can also read his thoughts on the visit there on the site. Karius Kern, trade the number one yeah. player in Arkansas. I'm sure everybody's. Uh, he's going to have everybody's attention real soon if he if he doesn't already. But 2025, so we're talking about a junior offensive lineman, defensive lineman. I like him on defense. So does Arkansas. So far, from what I understand. But he's out of Marion uh, like I said number one player in the in the state according to 24 7 sports 6'4, 305 uh, you just you watch his film and if you're not sold on him uh, I don't know what to tell you I think he can go just about anywhere I'm, I'm just blown away with how good this kid is mm-hmm. he's um, clearly number one in my book as well for the for the 2025 in state crowd uh, he had some uh, he had a good visit Brock Heath. Heard from Brock this morning, kid out of Overland Park, Kansas. Uh, Eric Mateos is old stomping ground. So mm-hmm. he went in last month and offered this kid at Blue Valley Northwest. Brock Heath is a 2025 offensive lineman. He's got Nebraska, Missouri, uh, just about everybody around that part of the country, of course. So uh, I could keep going. They had Brody Watley at 2025 defensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Markel Ford, 2025 D-back. Um, out of Mesquite, Texas, Horn High School. He's got everybody, Mm -hmm. buddy. Oklahoma, TCU, Oregon, LSU, Auburn, Arkansas. Uh, So a lot of kids like that in in 2025 and 2026. I thought it was notable just to, you know, all the names kind of sound redundant at some point and all the offers, but uh, to kind of give you an overview, they had some of the best players from Kansas, uh, Oklahoma, Texas, Missouri, they had Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama and Florida. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when you're when you're talking about that many states for a junior day, that's yeah. that's a success in my opinion. It's tough to get guys in the car and and make them drive all the way to Fayetteville, Arkansas, so <clears throat> you you need to celebrate those small victories when you got them.
0: Yeah, and and it's always a good sign when they actually make it. Danny who was uh who was the uh who had the best name out of the oh. visitors?
1: The name game this week?
0: Yeah. There's a great I one know, in there. I, I
1: told Baz on uh, – I told Baz Friday morning I was, I was going through some of these, but I know where you're headed. Cannon Pig.
0: Cannon Pig, man. If Cannon your name is Pig, it. P-I-G-G, Cannon Pig. I mean, I always, it always bothered me like Pig Prather and uh, you know DJ Hogg and uh, DJ Arkansas. You remember him? Like those guys never ended up well, being raised kind of Arkansas,
1: man. I, yeah. I, I feel like DJ wanted to come to Arkansas. And did he ever? Did he do
0: anything, on. Danny? Did he? Did he have a career? You know
1: what? I'm not sure where uh, where DJ is, but he's got a little brother, uh, Dylan Arkansas. As I look mm-hmm. him up, I want to see his status. But he's a stud now. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, Dylan's got a, a lot of offers: Baylor, Missouri whole bunch of them tcu's up there for dylan but yeah he's uh he's next so may not be done with the arkansas boys yet he's out of denton ryan texas um uh yeah ryan high school down in denton texas Six one one ninety. dylan arkansas check him out if you have
0: so danny some of these guys that have visited obviously you got you know you mentioned colton yarborough this guy's you know stud top 100 prospect you know out of Durant, oklahoma Six five two twenty. Is is there a chance for a guy like that uh, to end up at Arkansas? Where where do you where do you see the status?
1: You know, uh, when you look at that offer list, well, first of all, you said it; he's out of Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. That's the first that's the first part. But what's interesting on this one is you see LSU, you see Georgia, Miami's on there, Oregon. Oregon's another school that can go anywhere now, as we've seen, and you don't see Oklahoma or Oklahoma Mm -hmm. State yet on that list. So. Yeah, Typically, when, when somebody asks me about uh, any Oklahoma kid, I, I, my first question is Has OU offered? And so far, yeah. that, that's no. So you move on to step number two. And uh, I, I think it's still going to be really tough. Mm. Most of the time, you know, Oklahoma is one of those states, kind of like Louisiana a little bit. If they don't stay at home, they're going to a blue blood in another state they're tip they're really hard for Arkansas to come across a, a Felix Jones
0: yeah we have uh you know categories like hot warm cold cool I believe so have we listed on on 24-7 I wanted to ask you about yeah, Carius cool. Kern uh Kern right now we have him listed with Arkansas Georgia and LSU as being warm right now and everybody else listed as cool do you think that's accurate for him and where do you think Arkansas stands Deke Adams Cody Kennedy's also uh or not Cody Kennedy but uh
1: uh, Eric Mateos also, I guess, sure. would be
0: involved in him also.
1: Yeah, I, I talked to Karius uh, briefly last week. He told me that Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU, Mississippi State, and Tennessee are the ones that are showing the most attention right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, it is still early. I talk about these names like they're all deciding next week. You know, of course they're not. But, um, you know, I think if you can keep Georgia out of there, if Georgia ever decides to really make a push at of um, you know, that's the one thing of note that I would, I would see in that group that he listed there, Georgia would concern me as they would with anybody right now, but, Right. Um, Ole Miss, obviously they, they've just got tons of momentum and, uh, but you know, Arkansas is hanging in there. They've had him on campus a few times now and, um, it's going to take a, a good season, I would imagine. So we'll, we'll have to wait
0: and see. It won't be too long, though, Danny, before the wave of commitment starts hitting. I mean, like yeah. June, really, right? That's when mm-hmm. you – I mean, you see them all, you know, every month. But when June – like the summer months come, that's kind of become like the hot, hot right, months, yeah. June, July, right?
1: Yeah, and, and that's what I tell people. You know, I know it's tough to get excited about them right now. But, man, it before you know it, you're sitting there wondering, well, you know, Brody Watley visited us twice. and and we didn't get him, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and you start to get mad about some of these. But, uh, yeah, I try to tell people all the time, Cash Courtney, 2025 offensive lineman, you know, that's another guy that he just picked up an Arkansas offer five days ago. Nobody's talking about him right now, but if you let Texas Tech beat you on him in December, then now we care about him, right? So, Mm -hmm. hey, a lot of these uh, I would expect to return after uh, of course the february dead period as we know runs from uh, i want to say february 5th through march 4th so no visits in there but as soon as that contact period opens back up again i'm sorry the quiet period in march i mean you go back and check some of these lists and see who's making a return visit you could start to piece it together pretty quickly as to you know which one of these guys they're probably going to end up with
0: yeah i mean you just look back like at you know, when some of the guys committed in the last class, you had Charleston Collins, he committed in yeah. April. Uh K J Jackson committed in April, and then, you know, uh, Selman Bridges and Charleston Collins, both those guys were July commitments. So mm-hmm. it's not like it used to be back in the day where everybody would commit like, you know, pretty late in the summer during the season yeah. and then a big wave in like December and January. It's uh, the calendar's I'll, obviously I'll tell you something on that work.
1: on that note, Trey, just, you know, Um, putting it out there. We all know that Coach Pitt didn't have a great year this past year, so I'm a little bit curious going into this cycle. Uh, Typically, the trend has been by the end of July, uh, after that cookout, they're just about done. I mean, they might have three or four spots left, but for the most part, they're pretty much done going into fall camp. And now with the dynamic of, you know, uh, yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat, so I'm curious to see how quickly they get to that you
0: know, a little what we're used
1: to seeing 17 <laughs> uh, to 20 commit range. Do they get yeah. there as, as fast this summer? Yeah. Or do they have to go prove it a little bit on the field? I think it's one of the underlying storylines they'll be watching.
0: What they end up with last year, Danny? 18? Uh, 17 five? or 17. Yeah, I mean, Jeremy technically Cook is, he, I don't know if he's like going to sign with Arkansas or what. I mean, he committed in June or July and, and didn't sign in the early yeah. period. So that might be a guy to keep an eye on, obviously. Uh, as we approach, I think it's February 7th, isn't day. it?
1: <laughs> Sign the next week, buddy. We haven't even mentioned that because, yeah. you know, there's so little, uh, kind of going back to what we just talked about. Yeah. Most of the work is, is done, you know, now, especially in December with the early signing period, we're sitting here talking about signing day next week and, and nobody really on the radar. So I wonder if I Sam if will do,
0: question. I wonder if he will do a signing day press conference since nobody is technically signing, but there's, you know, all the transfers that joined late that he didn't really talk about publicly. So maybe he'll do something maybe. for them, but I, really the only recruit that was on the radar was Jamarian Burnett who didn't, you know, they ended up, I guess, not doing the visit with him uh, because they right. got yeah. uh Jaquindon Jackson out of Utah as a right. running back. So, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I wonder if he'll – there was one year where he didn't do a, a press conference because everybody signed early, and I, this was before all the transfer portal stuff, stuff started going sure. crazy. But, uh, yeah, it, again, Danny, what did I say earlier in the year about what the formula was for Arkansas? You know, uh, like 20 yeah, recruits. Pittman said they want to sign 25, but it's it's 2010. and Right now it's 18-13 or 17-13. Yeah. You know, yeah. 13 transfers, 17, and probably, uh, you know, they, they still need – they need one or two defensive tackles. They need a linebacker. You know, they need uh, another offensive lineman at least, I think. So, yeah. you know, it's going to be pretty balanced with the recruits coming in and uh, and this group. Hey, Danny, I wanted to ask you this too. Uh, obviously, spring football, I've got them starting on March 7th. That's not an official date. It's just based on, you know, the, the past and, you know, what a little bird told me about them having five practices before, uh, spring break yep. like they had last year, and so that kind of putting it all together and about how I know they do the schedule that puts them probably March seventh starting. Uh, they're in their eight week training cycle right now, so this is an important time for guys that want to lose weight, gain weight, gain strength, all those types of things. Especially some of the new guys who want to make an impact early. Everybody, I think it's all but four guys, isn't it? Out of this, out of this incoming class that are enrolling early, is that right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think so. I've kind of turned the page a little bit. It's hard for me to remember a month ago, but yeah, I believe that's right. Um, I could try to remember them off the top. I want to say the two linebackers, uh, Wyatt Simmons and Bradley Shaw. They're not going to enroll Mm -hmm. early, uh, or did not. Cross Johnson, wide receiver. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not an early guy, and there was one more
0: Uh, out of the recruiting class. Uh Charleston calls and sell. Selman Bridges, Ashton Bethel-Roman, Bradley Shaw you mentioned, K.J. Jackson's coming, Braylon Russell, K.B. on Henderson, Justin Logan, Julius Pope, Tevis Metcalf, C.J. Brown, Zuri Madison, Wyatt Simmons you mentioned, Cross Johnson you it mentioned. It might be
1: ABR. I think it's Ashton. I think yeah. you're right.
0: I believe it is Ashton yeah. Bethel-Roman, yeah, who is the yeah, number three ranked so. commitment in the class, number 134 overall prospect nationally on the 24-7 sports ranking, 27 wide receiver, 24 in Texas. So, just four guys out of that group. And then, I mean, out of the transfers, it's everybody, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, everybody. Yeah. Um, so, that's four. It's 14 transfers, actually, is what it is now. So, you have probably 17 high school recruits, depending on what happens with Jeremy Cook, and 14 transfers. And looking at, I mean, it's going to be a 50 50. It's going to be half the new coming, the incoming class is going to be transfers, and half of it's going to be high school recruits. And that's where they've landed. Thank you. I don't, I, I don't know if that's the way to build a healthy long-term roster, Danny. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I, I think there's cons and negatives to it. Like, you would like to build up, obviously, through the high school ranks. I think the 2010 formula is ideal, but Arkansas's roster isn't healthy, and this is what you have to do. And I also think this is how you close the gap. So maybe the 2010 idea that I had in my head, maybe that isn't the right answer either. Maybe it's – maybe it's – you know, this, maybe it's half and half. I don't know if that's ideal year to year though. Basketball is different, I think, but basketball has had success doing, you know, bringing in the vast majority of players being transfers, a few returning guys and high school guys. It didn't work this year, but it has worked in the past. It's worked for other programs. Uh, But I don't, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's necessarily a healthy way for football because football is so much about development, you know, in your program and in your system, Um, you know, and then, you know, player development also. So, but yeah. it's going to be an interesting yeah. year, Danny. I mean, it's do we or die time over it
1: there. But you know, I'm, I did mention two guys. You know, the linebackers. Man, you wish Bradley Shaw and yeah. Wyatt Simmons were were going through spring. You know, because this is a year where, shoot, they still might have to. Yeah, they still might have to play. You yeah. um, know, yeah. I mean, we'll see what they do in the transfer in May. But, um, man, uh, yeah. Justin Logan, obviously, is the third linebacker. He'll, he'll He's going through spring ball. So maybe he's a guy that surprises you. But I think there's so much benefit in that, especially for a linebacker. Yeah. You know, a little bit different for skill guys. We've seen guys like Quincy uh, show up later and still go out there and have no trouble on either side. You know, so a mm-hmm. linebacker, man, especially given the needs right now, I wish – I wish at least one more of them was was going through
0: spring. Yeah, well, you've got, you know, the two sophomores from last year, um Spence and Sanford. Sanford. And then you got Xavier Sori coming in and Xavier Sori is a redshirt junior, I believe. So he's a little bit older, but you know, he had like 19 tackles last year for Georgia. I, I know that they like I know that they like Spence. I know that they like Sanford. They're it's and and Sori too, obviously he was a former five-star recruit, but it's a lot of hoping, isn't it? It's a mm-hmm. lot of hoping that those guys are, are what you want. I think the I think yeah. they have I think those two sophomores have a lot of ability. I liked I liked what I saw yeah. them at him in, in spring practice and the in the you know limited time they played, especially Spence.
1: Good things happen, uh especially Spence when he was on yeah. the field. Yeah. Like good things seem to happen every time.
0: Yeah. But it's a young group and mm-hmm. really would like to see them go out, hey, grab one more guy who's, you know, had fifty, sixty, seventy tackles plus in his career has you know logged significant playing time something like you know even an Antonio Greer you know a guy like that yeah that would be to me uh, a real benefit to the linebacker room to to add a little bit more depth there and I mean would they have four four players transfer out I mean that's that's a lot of turnover at that spot so uh, you know I thought so yeah I mean one linebacker defensive line you know and i'll get into that too in a little bit you got anything else you want to add danny
1: no i think that's it just for this weekend i'll I'll get out of here on this but Mm -hmm. uh, no actual junior day visit per se but they my understanding there will be a virtual visit for maybe a handful of guys so Um, Not sure how much content will come out of that, but virtual visits. uh, Hey, you never know. Virtual visits. That's a zoom, and then of course, (laughs) yeah, that's that. That would be my guess. And then of course, uh, dead period next Monday, followed by what I'm assuming will be a really uneventful signing day next Wednesday.
0: Yeah, yeah. Danny, do you ever hear hear a zoom before COVID?
1: No, never did.
0: I mean, to me, that's like the one thing that came out of COVID. And you're just like, wow, oh, yeah, that this, this helps. <laughs> Cause yeah, we do like all the press conferences. There. Yeah. I mean, it used to be like, you know, we all used to have to go to the press conference for yeah. a football practice and we all had to be there, you know, if you want to get a question yeah. in, if you want to get video from the press conference and stuff. And now like I always go to the press conferences for football, just because, you know, I like yeah. to lead the questioning and I know, I feel like I know what the fans want asked and, what i want to ask so but now i mean everybody else can you know watch anywhere do the work from from wherever they are it it definitely improves i think for the fans the amount of content that we're able to get out and you know the amount of people we're able to have work on it versus being there driving back and forth and you know all the things that you had to do previously so all right brother Appreciate you, Danny. All right, man. Yes, All right, sir. everybody. That's Danny West. I'm going to flash him right up there again real quick so you can remember to follow him. Danny is almost at 50,000 Twitter followers. X followers. Dang it. X, X, X. No, don't say X, X, X. Where are you going here with this? It's not that kind of show. All right, everybody. It's just X. Just one singular X. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get that right up there with pound with passion. All right, everybody. So... Spring football schedule. Let's talk about that a little bit because it's coming up, and uh, obviously we still got basketball going on. Plenty to do in basketball still. It's just, it's just not real encouraging, is it? And then baseball coming up. Please save us, Dan, Dave Van Horn, as Danny said, uh, this would be the year to man. If baseball, if I don't even want to think about that, baseball is going to be fine. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, everybody. Don't worry about baseball. Um, but, yeah, man, shudder to think about that. Spring football coming up, though. And there's a lot of excitement with the newness of spring football. And uh, as I've said before, you know, you may consider this a baseball a baseball program or a basketball program like everybody was saying after football. But I can promise you, and I can see the analytics and I see the traffic, even though they're 4-8, and eight, this is still very much a football state. Very much is. That's where we see the majority of our traffic and, um, you know, I always say, you know, it's kind of all hands on deck for us at football. But spring football starting from what I can gather on the ninth, excuse me, on the on the seventh. Here's what, here's how I've got it broken down. All right, March seventh is uh, a Thursday, so they'll go five practices before spring break. I went over this a few shows ago, but I'm just going to redo it. So Thursday, March seventh; Friday, March eighth; Sunday, March tenth; Tuesday, March twelfth; Thursday, March fourteenth. Those are the five practices that I believe in that on that schedule will be before spring break. Now I don't know what kind of media availability we'll have. If you guys remember last year at the end of football season, you know when things started kind of going south when Danny Enos was was fired, uh, when they moved Kenny Guyton to offensive coordinator, football practices were closed from that point on. You know, and that's not what we had seen. We haven't had football practices closed during the week since. Since maybe Bobby Petrino, you know, and Bobby kept him open for a while and then uh towards the end of it he, he ended up closing he ended up closing him during the season that last year but aside from that you know Chad Morris, John L Bielema, I mean they all, had open practices for us. And by open practices, I mean like you know 15 to 30 minutes of practice. I would hope during the spring that they open. That's one thing that I always talk about Bobby Petrino when he was here. Spring football was completely open. Uh, completely open. Like We watched every moment of every practice. Um, Petrino, it wasn't so much that he's worried about you knowing the plays that he's going to call. You just don't know the plays in the order that he's going to call and the down and distance that he's going to call. I ordered his book. His book is going to take like – it's going to take after spring football for his book to get in, so I need to find another way. It was it was on Amazon, and it's like it'll be here like March 14th or something. So uh, Amazon's usually pretty fast, but not with Bobby Petrino's book. So then they'll go on spring break. It's 18th through the 20, 22nd. That's the Monday through the Fridays. But actually, you know, spring break, you know, people start heading out on March 15th on that Friday. So you've got March 15th until, you know, the – what the twenty fourth, I believe, would be the Sunday. So then they'll pick up, and then that's when you start going the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule. So you do Tuesday practice, Thursday practice, Saturday you would hold, you know, most likely a scrimmage. There's also a, a period where you, you know, slowly add more pads and stuff, and that all happen before spring break. So you go. Tuesday, the 26th, the 28th, the 30th. So that's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Same deal after that, April 2nd, 4th, 6th, 9th, 11th. And then they'll have a Friday practice. If it's like last year, so you go Thursday, the 11th, Friday, the 12th, and then April 13th is when I believe they'll hold the red-white scrimmage. The difference this year also from last year, aside from having a similar style of schedule, and it moves up two days because it's a leap year this year, but they're going to practice in the morning. So last year they held practices around 340, 345 during the weekdays. And then the weekday and the weekends on Saturday, it was like, you know, they'd have 855, 1010 or noon were the different times they had practices. Um, the the red white game was at noon last year. Also this year, we're talking more like early in the morning. So, and I asked Pittman about that. A few press conferences ago It's been maybe A couple months ago And he said That they were looking At doing that And from last I heard That's still the plan And that requires You know working with your class schedule, because obviously these guys are students. They go to school still. They're professionals now, but they go to school also. And you have to work around class schedules. So you may have some instances where somebody has something that interferes. I don't know if they have, like, any early lab classes and stuff. But, um, you know, especially when you talk about the Tuesday-Thursday schedule, you can schedule your classes Monday, Wednesday, Friday I mean, I always used to try to, you know, I love to do Tuesday, Thursday only classes when I was in school and then I'll have Monday, Wednesday, Friday open if possible, maybe a lab or something like that on one of those days. But, you know, you can, you can work around it pretty good nowadays. So morning practices are expected this year. Quarterback battle, I think, headlines a lot of things. You know, I would say the quarterback battle and all the new faces. Those are the big things that jump out to me about, like, why even after a 4-8 and season – I would be excited about football. I'm always excited about football, you know, even though things were just, you know, depressing and, you know, they went the way they did last year. It was disappointing. Um, I still love football. I still love college football and still love covering Razorback football, even even when they stink. Even, even as frustrating as it's been, you know, last year and, of course, during the Chad Morris era. And, you know, there have been some frustrating times covering Razorback football. I mean, thinking all the way back to, you know the last years of Nut. You know that transition period, that final year, and just how toxic everything was. Still, still enjoyable. And and as strange as that sounds, you know, and maybe that's why, maybe that's why I'm still in this business after almost 21 years. But you know, just as big as all the new players coming in, I think the quarterback battle is a big headline. Getting a good look at Taylor Green. You know, that's that's what I want to see. Is Taylor Green going to come out there right out from the jump and say, okay? It's me. I'm the guy. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that Malachi Singleton could be a guy that, you know, kind of dark horses because a lot of the talk has been Jacoby Criswell, Talon Green. You know, which one of those guys? Chriswell obviously was the backup last year. We saw him a good bit against Missouri when KJ went down. So, I think the initial thought when they go out there, first snap is going to be taken by Jacoby Criswell. He's the oldest returning player. And I could see next snap being taken by Malachi Singleton just in the vein of thought that Taylor Green is coming from somewhere else and he's got to earn his place. You know, that's kind of been uh, a policy that Pittman adapted really since, um, you know, really since I think the Jaden Hazelwood situation where he came in he was right off the bat first string, and I think it rubbed some of the players wrong that, you know. And what's interesting about that is I didn't see him do that with other players when he brought them in from the transfer portal. I saw like guys like John Ridgway started out on third team, you know, when he came in. So, but anyway, that's kind of a a policy that Pittman has adapted, adopted, and so I would expect that to kind of be the order. Malachi Singleton coming in second after Jacoby Criswell and then Taylor Green, probably after that. And then KJ Jackson also, get a good look at the freshman quarterback. It's a good time to get a look at, you know, some of the future guys in spring football, but, you know, how good is Taylor Green right off the bat? Uh, That's a, a big question. Is he going to assert himself in spring? Is it going to be something that drags on until fall camp? I could almost guarantee it will drag on through fall camp, especially with a new guy coming in. Um, and part of the reason is, yeah, you want to keep the competition going. You want to keep the guys working, obviously. But, you know, you don't want anybody to enter the transfer portal. Like if Taylor Green comes in and he's named the starter, then you start watching Jacoby Criswell. Every quarterback who doesn't start transfers. Every quarterback – who doesn't start at a program, either they give up football or they transfer. Think about it. They're all going to transfer. And that's nothing new at this position. Quarterback, you can go back to, you can go back to, as far as I can think, like Barry Lunny and Robert Reed. You know, every quarterback that I've ever remembered watching, uh, you know, as a child growing up, on due now, uh, every time the backup quarterback hasn't won the job, there's been an opening and the backup quarterback didn't win. Uh, Almost every single time, uh, they've left the program. Robert Johnson ended up moving wide receiver. But think about it. I mean, like they all transfer. So once you, especially once you get passed over by somebody younger, you know, you end up transferring out. So uh, I would expect this battle to continue on through camp. Uh, another group, I'm, you know, obviously the offensive line, intrigued to see how things go there. And you know, does Addison Nichols start out at, at center? Is there somebody else they're eyeing at center? Or is he work at both guard and center? You know, um, I think all those are interesting questions. But, you know, defensive line, I think, is also an interesting group because you've got some young players that have the opportunity to emerge. Quincy Rhodes, I think, is a guy that you really watch. 6'6", 289 pounds, just a freshman last year. And Andrew Ford. Andrew Ford was, you know, he's 6'5", every bit of it. Uh, 394 pounds on last year's roster. That was a summertime roster, you know, heading into to August. I mean, he was – like, I expected him to be kind of dumpy looking, to be honest, like, you know, just way out of shape. Like, I've seen other players who are, you know, not that big, but like 360 or something coming in, 370 and, you know, dumpy ankles and just, you know, just not looking in shape. This dude looks like solid. Like, I was surprised how good he looked, especially seeing him stand next to uh, Anthony Booker, who's obviously transferred since. He's at Texas Tech now. But seeing him standing next to him, and Booker's listed at 6'4". What was Booker? 351, something like that. And just dwarfed by Jafrard. So I want to see how Jafrard looks, how how much different his body looks. Uh, He's absolutely going to have to help because he's probably number four defensive tackle right now because you've had so many guys enter the transfer portal. You've got five defensive tackles. Let's see if I can name them. You've got uh, Cam Ball. Eric Gregory, who started every game, Cam Ball, who started like six games and started most of the end of the season. So those two, Kiwi Rose is back. Um, he, I don't think Kiwi ever announced anything that he's back, but we obviously found through sources. And you've got Ian uh, Jafford, who I would have number four, and then J.J. Hollingsworth. And this is a big eight weeks for J.J. Hollingsworth too, because he's about two seventy three last year and needs about twenty more pounds, you know, before he can. Impact. You know, he was a redshirt freshman last year and didn't really play. I don't think he got on the field, but that's a guy that they could use. You know, to step up. And then you wonder about, um, you know, Caleb James. Could Caleb James, who played at six four two seventy six last year as a as a freshman, actually didn't play, but he was six four two seventy six. He didn't see any snaps. He redshirted. But is he a guy that could maybe slide inside? You know, he's a bigger body guy as a freshman uh, defensive end. Uh, Anton Junkaj. I only saw a video of him lined up at end at on the right side but that's an interesting you know is is Junkaj going to be uh on the right side going after the quarterback's blind side which is where Landon Jackson generally lined up last year you move Landon Jackson to the left side I think that's probably the way you go Junkaj had 15 sacks last year 21 and a half something like that tackles for loss I think that's probably the right combination and probably I would say uh you know, maybe you consider Quincy Mack or Quincy Mcadoo, Quincy Rhodes uh, playing that left defensive end spot uh, behind uh, behind him. You know, what's going to happen with uh, Jashad Stewart? You know, after his uh, his arrest uh, is you know he's indefinitely suspended, but is he uh, he wouldn't be he wouldn't be indefinitely suspended if he wasn't part of the team, right? They just say he's not part of the team, so he's still on the team in that in that um, thought. So yeah, and then. Yeah, uh, I, I I wonder about some of the young guys like Charleston Collins. Is he a guy that's ready to come in? Kavion Henderson, is he ready to come in and make an impact? Nico Davier also. Nico's a, a junior now. You know, what kind of impact could he have also? He was a guy that was thought maybe could end up as a defensive tackle, but I think he's pretty well s- settled in at defensive end now. So, you know, the numbers are at defensive end are fine. You know, they lost a lot. They, they've got some really good talented guys coming in, obviously. Defensive tackle is just, to me, there's no reason you should be, like, you know, and Hollingsworth could end up being a good player, but to me you need to feel, like, comfortable. This guy's physically ready to come in and play. And There's no reason your fifth guy at defensive tackle in the transfer portal era shouldn't be ready to come in and play. Because, as I've said, I've said it on this show many times, you should be able to build a perfect roster through the transfer portal, and that's the 3D plus one at every spot. There's no reason you should be – Short at a spot, numbers wise. You may not have gotten the talent you wanted at a certain spot, but you can darn sure get through practice and run three deep and two spot if you want to, because you've, you know, you've gotten the right number of guys uh, to fill your roster out on in the transfer portal. So, just a couple of things that jump out to me. Obviously, you know, we could go down every position group. I think they're I think they're gonna be in pretty good shape in the secondary. I think they'll be at least as good as they were last year, even though they didn't really replace Al Walcott with a similar type of player, but everybody else who's back is a year older. There's some intriguing young guys who redshirted last year also. Um, you know, brought a couple of guys in, Denico Slaughter from Tennessee, I think would be a guy that probably step right in and maybe get in that rotation a little bit. Um, you know, I think they did some good things at at, at cornerback. I think, you know, losing Dwight McLaughlin is is Definitely not the best thing that ever happened, but Jalen Braxton is going to be a year older. how much better is he going to be? You know, you've got Selman Bridges coming in who was a, a big-time recruit uh, out of the high school ranks. And, you know, uh, is it Marquise Robinson also uh, coming in? So you, I think you, you've put yourself in a situation in the secondary to where you should be about as good as you were last year, which the secondary was, you know, pretty average by sec standards last year if you can if you can get the offense going again and have you know an average defense then you know i think they should probably reach some of the minimum goals that you have for this team of you know you know i think beyond getting to a bowl i don't think just getting to a bowl game should be your goal um but you know bouncing back from the way last season was you know getting to a quality bowl game i think should be your goal with this team. And, you know, if you do better than that on defense, then, then great. Linebacker, I think, has obviously got some questions, uh, some potential, but some questions uh, with the linebacker group. And then offensive line should be better. Surely, Lord. I mean, they brought in three very good players out of the portal, and everybody else generally is a year older. You know, Brady Latham isn't coming back but everybody else is generally older. Um, And, you know, you relying on some younger, inexperienced guys last year who learned a lot of things the hard way. So hopefully being able to look back on that year and having an off season to work on those things and get stronger in the areas you need to get stronger, get better in the technique where you need to get better and having a new face, you know, looking over you and Eric Mateos and, you know, Sam Pittman's watchful eye knowing like this was an issue last year. This is a group that played a big role in them giving up 47 sacks last season with a mobile quarterback. Uh, tight end is going to be better. You've got Hasz is a year older. Uh, Ty Washington is a year older. Both those guys are going to be healthy, obviously, and going through spring. And then you've got – uh uh, Andreas Paskey, who I think is going to provide a lot. They'll be better blocking. They were not a very good group blocking last year. They they definitely uh, had a hand in Arkansas giving up 47 sacks. I mean, they played a role. So did the running backs. How good is Jaquinnon Jackson going to be? I like his toughness. Uh, I think he's going to come into this conference with something to prove. And I'm not so sure that Rocket Sanders looked at Himself is having something to prove really. Last year, I think Jackson feels like he's got something to prove. Isaiah augustive I think, is a guy that um, you know finished really strong last year. DeBinion can be a really tough runner too. You know, uh, I'm not sure he's a lead SEC back, but he can be a guy that can help you and get you. I mean, he's had 100 yard games in the SEC. He had 100 yard games against Kansas. I believe he had 100. He might have had 99. But um, you know, and Braylon Russell, what can Braylon Russell bring? Dominic Johnson another year away from the knee issue, you know, as he shed the brace. You know, Dominic did some good things at times last year. You just got to know how to use the guy properly, like, you know, throwing screen passes to him, you know, maybe not the best use of his ability. Um, Wide receivers got everybody back except for Sam Backe, who was injured all last year. Got everybody back and added Jordan Anthony. Should be better, right? Hopefully they use Isaac Tesla properly. I don't think they used him very well last year for – his ability levels, Andrew Armstrong, obviously back. So I think I touched on every group. I didn't really intend to do that, but that's where things are right now. All right. Thank you to Danny West for hopping on with us. Appreciate all you guys watching and supporting us. If you haven't followed us at hogsports.com, or if you haven't subscribed to hogsports.com, you should do so. And, you know, we check out our free content. We put free content out there. We also – you can subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't done so. We put all the press conferences here. So if you are interested in, you know, following along on post-game press conferences, midweek press conferences and all that, football, basketball, baseball, then you'll want to follow us at hogsports.com, obviously, uh, on YouTube. And uh, go to the site, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. You can read our free content there. But if you're really interested – and the inner workings of the program, um, you know what we have to say from our inside sources, what we're hearing from inside the program, everything that's going on in recruiting, stuff that's going on in the transfer portal, who they're genuinely targeting in the transfer portal, not just stuff that's floating by on Twitter, uh, all those types of things, then you want to go to Hogsports, hawgsports.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks to Danny West for hopping on. Thanks to all of you for watching this show and making us your number one rated podcast in the state of Arkansas. Certainly appreciate that. Give us a five-star review if you haven't done so on Apple Podcast. And uh, this has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com. That's everything i got to say today. Yeah, that's it. All right, everybody. This has been Trey Biddy with hogsports.com, and we'll catch you next time.